So may I speak in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, we're probably going to have a cheeky look at Colossians chapter 1, which is one of the selected readings for today. All the readings were so good for today, but we've gone with the Colossians 1 from Colossians chapter 1. Maybe I'll just have a cheeky read. I might read from verse 9 down to verse 20. Is that if, can I do that? Yeah, it's all ready. There it is. Um, So Colossians chapter 1 from verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, We've not stopped praying for you. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So just note that as we're passing through, because that's critical to what we're going to be thinking about. It's knowledge, wisdom, understanding. It's all like change of mind stuff. That's his massive prayer change of mind stuff knowledge wisdom understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work growing in the knowledge of god being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. So might and power, notice that. So all this knowledge, understanding, wisdom, backed by, enabled by, happens because of almighty power and might. So that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. Notice that again, a dominion of darkness, like a tyranny of darkness versus a kingdom of the sun, a kingdom of light, uh, of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, were rescued by him, were rescued and have forgiveness of sins. Now, that's verse 15. Uh, this Jesus then, this son he loves, is the image, the visible form of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. He's the inheritor, the one to whom all creation belongs. For in him, in Jesus, all things were created at the very beginning of the universe. Everything in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, you know, energies, forces, subatomic particles, beings that we can't see or know about, all of it is uh, being created through him and for Jesus. Jesus is before everything, all things. 
And in Jesus, all things hold together, are glued together, work together, have meaning. He's the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So he gets to inherit, he owns everything in life and death. So that in everything, he would be supreme. He might have supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, the maximum that God is, lives in Jesus. And through Jesus to fix everything, to reconcile to himself everything, whether things on earth or even things in heaven. By, how did he do that? How did he fix everything? What it says here, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Well, we're never going to get through all that to this morning, so just forget it. Just forget it. What we're doing is, and the songs we had were just awesomely relevant and powerful. I kept making little notes of taking lines from the songs. and like, oh, that's such a good line from the songs uh, for Christ the King, this festival of Christ the King. And the whole church year, if you don't know how the church year works, it's like a massive year-long therapy session. And it starts next week. Um, so you, and you're signed on for it whether you want to or not. It's the whole church year. So you come to church, you're in the therapy session that lasts a year. And the purpose of the entire therapy session is to get to this Sunday. <laughs> because on this Sunday, we go, okay, so now I understand fully who Jesus is, what he's done, what he's doing, and what he's gonna do. Hey! <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm full of joy. So remember that thing where Paul's praying. I just pray that this almighty power of God would show up in your life. And what's he looking for in their lives? Them, you know, like crazy miracles or walking across the Mediterranean or something like that. No, no. I mean, God can do all those things. Of course, you know, obviously he can do whatever he wants and he does do weird and wonderful things but that's not really the maximum power of God shows up when people what goes on in here and in here that's where you see the maximum power of God because those other things are easy to to change the physical world is just it's nothing to God but to change hearts and minds cost him his own life that it's easy, even we can change the physical world around us with technology and science and we can do things like that with the, but to, to change hearts and minds really change them it's the hardest thing God's ever done and it killed him to do it so that's what this is about the therapy session you're on starting no, start next week, this is the finish part line of the last one to have this massive view that Christ is the king and everything makes sense because of him. And everything in life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, doesn't matter in the end if Christ is the king. Because that line that we were singing, um, 
If he's for us, nothing can stand against us. What was it exactly? I forget. But it's like that, isn't it? And we sang it over and over. Like if he is for us, if God is for us, this king who reigns, what can stand against us? That is the message of Christ the king. There's nothing bigger than that. And then anything is possible. There was a minister I was hearing about who uh, came to church on this morning. I think it was last year. And someone said, um, how are you doing? He's like, oh, all right. You know, it's all right. It's all right. And then the person said, how can you be like that? This is the feast of Christ the King. Anything is possible. <laughs> so he's like, oh, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's, and I felt there's someone, whoever said that to him had got the, got the therapy. So that's what we're up to. This massive therapy session that lasts a year and it's all thought through for hundreds of years how you do it. How do you go through this process of knowing who is this Jesus? What's he done? What's he doing? What's he gonna do? Like there was another line that was like, I see him coming on the clouds of glory. All that's ahead of us and all these things. How does, well, there's this thing you're gonna, you know, it's Christmas and all the way through to Easter and then, this open period after that and all this, all of it is to get to this vision of Jesus. And it's this point that it's not, you know, we might say, oh, well, who runs the world? And there's just sometimes in my life, I've got really, uh, uh, you know, uh, intense about, say, politics or, you know, or, think, or, or multinational companies or corrupt this and da-da-da, this, that, the other. And then it's the kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, they, those sort of things are there. And, you know, at this time when Paul's writing, there's Roman Caesars who are nutters and, and like, killing people on gargantuan scales and Christians especially and all this. And they, you might have thought, he'd say, listen, Colossians, let me just tell you about what madness is going on in Rome with politics at the moment or something. He never mentions any of that. Actually, the only thing he says sometimes is, do pray for people, <laughs> That's about all he says about it all. Why is he like that? It's because of this. He's like, no, no, I know who's in charge. They haven't been elected. They never will be. They are, you know, Christ the King. He is the King of kings, Lord of lords. And because he's in charge, I'm never that worried. And you're like, yeah, but you're going to get killed by these nutters. And he's like, yeah, probably, but you know, doesn't matter. <laughs> You're like, what? But lots of people might get killed by them. He's like, yeah, I know, but if they've got Jesus, that's what I'm focused on. And that is like a, what a massive change of mind that is to think like that. Well, there it is. I don't know what concerns we have here today. What the immediate fears and anxieties are struggling with, health, finances, relationships, work, family, the future. What do we need most? Really, what do we need most? Because this living God obviously has all power. And what's he doing with it? If Jesus, if Jesus Christ really is king over all universe, and remember, as he was sending up to heaven the thing he said is all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me so he's really saying I can do anything no no one can stand against me 
So, so what? What's he going to do with it? What's the next thing out of his mouth? I've got all the authority. So, what I want you guys to do is plant churches, baptize people, and teach them how to obey what I have commanded. That's what I'm going to do with all the authority in the universe. Enable that to happen. And they might have been like, well, can't, uh, really? Um, could you not like do something else? <laughs> or as well? <laughs> well, of course, like church history, he does do loads of amazing things from time to time. But actually, that is what takes all authority in heaven and earth to do like this, this, and to change hearts and minds to live the way that Jesus lived and described. That takes all authority in heaven on earth. So that's what he's doing with it, because sometimes, I don't know if you've seen that film Miss Congeniality, but she's, um, I think she's like an agent, isn't she? And she's she's Miss World or something, and they ask like, what do you want? Uh, you know, what's your wish for the world? And I think hers is um, stronger police forces and capital punishment or something. Like, but it's kind of a funny moment because most of the contestants just go, I want world peace. World peace, they all say that. As if, like, if you had all the authority, wouldn't you bring world peace? And you go, well, why doesn't Jesus just wish for something like that? Or that everybody lives with perfect health till they're 150 at least. Well, Jesus is like, oh yeah, interesting. Um, but then they die, right? Then they die at 150. Yeah. He's like, okay, so that's not that good. What if I've got a better idea? What if, what if we bring about a world where no one ever dies? What if that's what I'm after? What if I really am after world peace and no death at all? And setting off on an adventure that will last forever and ever and ever. What if that is what I'm after? And that now, that I'm not going to, that this world, I don't want to patch up this world. I don't want to stick a few plasters on and puncture repair kits just so it kind of works a bit better. What if I'm like, what if the game I'm into is. Let's, let's live in this world now in order to get to a much better situation that we can fix the whole universe from top to bottom. What if that's worth, what's the, what if that's the better dream? Not to patch up now, but to live now in such a way that we're heading to something infinitely bigger and greater and better. That's what his game is. So he's like, now the most important thing of all is to change hearts and minds so that you get on board with that. And I don't want you to be clutching onto this world, this body, this life, and trying, oh, I've got to get hold of this. He's like, no, no, just let that go. Honestly, let it go because... What I've got coming is so much better. But if you clutch onto that stuff and you're like, oh, I've got to get hold of this, 
And then he said, but that's perishing. And if you cling on to it like that and won't let it go, you will perish with it. You will perish with it if you won't let it go. See, that's, the, that's why this changing of hearts and minds is huge. Because if a person can't see that and won't see that and says, no, my, my current deceitful desires, life that I can see now, that's it. I'm clinging on to it in some way. Money, sex, power, relationships, my own idea of religion, whatever it is, clinging on to it. I'm not going to, that's it. You'll perish with it. And he's the, the reason it's so difficult to change hearts and minds is because we love to do that. We're very clever at it and can make ourselves feel we're doing something noble, but that is what we're doing. But when we change that and let that go and trust ourselves, trust, oh, it's the hardest thing in all the world to really trust ourselves into the hands of this heavenly father by his son in the power of the spirit that is when we say I'm stepping into this new creation that's coming and already I'm going to live in it well that takes that's hard God it's everything he's got to do that because uh, this little church um, Colossae Colossians, Colossae. It's a little place in Turkey. Uh, and it was a pretty intense place to live from what we can gather from this letter. Uh, it's all kinds of religious ideas, new ideas, philosophy. It was like, I always think of it, it's a bit like sort of California, or at least California when it was interesting when it was like, you know, once California was really like a, a, a steamingly hot place of everything new was there, diets, films, everything. I don't know whether it's quite as much that now because Silicon Valley, all, you know, all that sort of stuff. It was like all the new ideas, new tech, new religions. Calif- you remember that? Um, I think Colossi was a bit like that. A place where, you know, in the latest diets. And then, you know, like, oh, I'm on a new diet. Uh, cal- um, I don't know, walnuts and cabbage or something. And that's all I have. Um, it's like, yeah, it's totally, it's not only cleanse my body, my mind and my spirit. Oh, and it's like that sort of thing. Now, the Colossians, that's, that's what they were like. <laughs> From what we can tell, they're on a bait, if you read the whole letter. And, and it would have seemed like, oh, wow, how sophisticated all these new ideas are. And intellectual rock stars who've got a new book out on something, you know, like some philosophy or some perspective. You know what I mean? Lifestyle issues that hit well below the belt, as so often happens in our messed up world. And sex, drugs, alcohol religion all mixed up together in this sort of intense thing and there's these Colossians who say okay we can't we're we're, we're going with Jesus 
So I always feel the Colossians, we would really relate to them because it feels like our sort of world. And how were they supposed to cope with that sort of a world with all those pressures and ideas and perspectives and everything like that? It would feel overwhelming. And they're like, oh, I, just, I can't cope with all this. The so, what, how am I, like that, we, this new diet, this new book, this new idea, this thing about angels and how to get in touch with your own angel and how to do this. And Paul's really saying, as we'll see, well, I, he's going to say, well, I, I won't, I, let's, let's work it through. Because first of all, when we're in that sort of environment, it's very pressured and we can feel crushed and, and we just don't know who we are, what we're doing, what's true, what isn't true. And so many of us know what it is to kind of hide from life because it's too much. It's all too much. And so we hide, maybe, in a bottle, in our work, in experiences, escapism, whatever. No real life in those things. But what Paul's saying to them is, look, you're trying to fit all these things in, but you should stop doing that because if you have a real change of mind and heart about Jesus, he, what you're trying to do is fit, say, here's Jesus, let's fit him in with the diets, the new books, the philosophies, the entertainment, you know, all these things. And then here's Jesus. He's one of the things I'm trying to get in balance in my life and all this. Paul's like, no, don't do that. Just have Jesus. (laughs) Because he's so big, he's so big, Christ the King who has all authority in the universe, who reigns over all things, who made it all and will end it all to take it into the next phase and all that. That if you really have him, you will end up with a right view of money, food, everything. You'll understand those things properly if, if, you have this massive shift and understand who Jesus really is. He's not just a thing, he's the thing. He's not part of the picture, he's the picture. So just get him right and let him sort everything else out. But don't try to have lots of things in life. In a way, do you remember Mary and Martha? There's a little lovely story and uh, Martha's super busy with things in life, probably really important things. Um, but Jesus is sort of sat there talking and there's Mary and Martha, and there's Mary and she's sort of perhaps equally busy in her own way, but she's like, hang on, there's nothing more important right now than paying attention to Jesus. And then Martha, I don't know what she was doing, maybe... I always imagine she's maybe like building an extension on the side of the house or something, I don't know, something big, some big project. And then she's like, oh man, can you, can you two not kind of help me a bit? And Jesus says, whoa, 
whoa, there's only one thing you really need, Martha. Because she'd be like, I need to do this. I need to sort this out. I need this. I need to get myself like And he's like, whoa, there is only one thing you need, Martha. And Mary's got that. Me. It's an intense story because it's a little story because we, we relate to Martha. We're like, yeah, but there's all this loads of stuff that needs to be done. And Jesus is like, well, is that true? If you were to drop dead now, really? So what? Someone else will have to build your extension or just knock it down. Someone else will have to do the washing up. Someone else will have to sort out that stuff and get that ready. And Someone else will do it. The world won't end. But it will for you. Will for you. Then what? Then what? See, for you, Martha, for every single one of us, there's only one thing that we absolutely need. And it's Christ the King. Because on that day, when it's all opened up and sorted out and when you die and all the rest of it, when everything is stripped away and we're left with what is it really about, there's only him then who can do anything for you. No one else, however clever they seem or passionate or interesting, they can't do a thing for you then. But he can. He's the only one who can. And actually, that's the only thing he really cares about, being there for you then. And that's why Paul's like, I'm praying for you guys, you Colossians, who are surrounded by all these pressures of money, sex, power, blah, 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 that God's almighty power will show up so you have a revolution of heart and mind. Until we re- open my eyes to the things unseen, we sang that, and that's that powerful thing. What do we see? What is pushed at us? This is what you've got to do. You've got to get ready for Christmas. You've got to buy this. You've got to sort this. You've got to, and it's like, well, I don't actually need those things. But this one, Jesus, if I see him for who he is, and understand how he's trying to rescue me. Because we might say, when we pray, we go, Lord, what I need from you is more money, more physical health, more... And my prayer list is nearly always, or can often be, just filled with things that are kind of just about now. And it's not that he doesn't bother about those things, but he kind of just says, don't worry too much about that sort of stuff money and clothes and food and all the practical things of daily life. Don't worry too much about that. Your father knows about that. Leave that with him. It's not the most important thing you need to focus on. What you really need to, the kind of rescue he's bringing is this big rescue. The big rescue. You could die with no money, in massive debt, with tremendous ill health. Well, you will die with a certain level of ill health. You never, you know, well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> But you'll, you might die after loads of ill health for years and years and years and all the rest of that with, a, with problems in your life that you've never been able to sort out. 
But it doesn't matter in the end if you've been healed at this level, at the deepest level, if you have Jesus. And all those other things, well, often they do. He does help with these things, but that's not what his rescue is. His rescue is, what was it? Rescued us from the tyranny of darkness, headed to damnation and lost forever kind of stuff. And he's rescued us from that and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves in whom we have rescue and forgiveness of sins. That forgiveness of sins is the hardest rescue of all. Well, let me just pull it together because I know I've been going on a long time. I've got, to, I've got to end it. But the point is this. If, you know, do we know what that feels like? I always remember, let me end with this thought. I don't know if you've seen in, and it's how we process the difficulties of this life. And we go, oh, I'm finding life uncomfortable and, I, and I'm annoyed by people. And that can become huge to us, the discomfort of this life and the annoying people around us, right? In the Titanic film, I've only ever seen it once, maybe twice, but there was a, a scene in it. Uh, the, 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 what I took away from it was that sense that all those people on that ship were going to die, like most of them were going to die. But they're not, they don't realize that. We know that because we're watching it and we see that. And the way they behave, no, we know you are going to be dead within an hour. And they're not aware of the severity of that situation they're in, right? That was like, oh, because they're still like mucking about with stuff that doesn't matter getting dressed for the evening and all sorts of things. And it's like, honestly, it doesn't matter. Like nothing matters now except this, to be rescued. All that you've got, you would give gladly if you knew what was, going, what was coming. Now we do know what's coming, but there's one scene where there's this mum and she has her kids and she knows she can't, they're not gonna escape. She knows it's gonna sink. And she makes this decision, my kids, there's no, we're not going to survive. There's no way. We're poor people. We've got no access to a, a, a lifeboat or anything. There's no way. We're going to die. So I'm just going to, I'm not going to worry my children. I'm going to put them to bed, kiss them goodnight and let them sleep. And then when they die, which they will, they'll die, but at least they won't have had a panic-stricken hour before it happens. I'll never forget that. But imagine if you said to her, after she's done that, and she sat there resigned to it, imagine if you, not, you could, there's a knock on the door and someone says, I'm going to rescue you with your family. I've got a lifeboat, just let's get on now. She'd be like, what? what? Seriously, we, can, we don't have to die in here, drowned in this cold darkness. No, this person, like, honestly, do you trust me? Just come with me now. We're going to get onto a lifeboat right away. And they do. Could you imagine she would be like, 
It's a bit cold. Do you know, this seat is surprisingly uncomfortable. I'm not happy with this. And, and some of the people on this life, but I just don't like them. They're a bit irritating. You'd be like, shut up. You've been rescued from certain horrific death and now you're going to live with your children. Shut up. That is essentially what Paul's revolution of mind is saying. Do you understand how Jesus has rescued you? Do you understand? Because if you do, you will have, you live with joy and thanks and peace because your perspective about what you've just been rescued from is so massive. Everything in life changes when we know who Jesus really is, what he's done and where he's taking us. Amen.